Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. As a parent, you want your children to be educated, obviously. You want them to be able to discern between what is fake news and what is real news. And we've seen this now for the last couple of years. It's it's incredible what we have seen as far as misinformation spreading rampantly around the Internet. And joining me today to talk about digital literacy in this age of misinformation is Dr. Donald Schifrin. He's a clinical professor emeritus of pediatrics at the University of Washington School of Medicine, and he was a practicing clinician and hospital attending in the Seattle area for 39 years plus. Dr. Schifrin, it is always my pleasure to to bring you on with us on Healthy Children. So I have a 19 and a 22-year-old, and I know that that misinformation, we didn't have this as kids, right? We didn't have this misinformation because there was no social media. There was no, you know, World Wide Web. Can you tell us a little bit about what is considered literacy in this digital age and what is considered misinformation or digital illiteracy? Well, those are great questions for not only uh, children, but also for us adults as well. Uh, Most people understand that the concept of literacy, uh, uh, meaning knowledge in a specific area, was formerly confined to print literacy, the ability to read and write. But uh, media literacy, of course, is a much different concept. To be truly media literate, Um, You have to incorporate not just the ability to access media, and we all know that our phones and our mobile devices provide limitless opportunities for us to uh, incorporate an endless supply of renewable uh, messages daily uh, from social media sites, cable, etc., and the ability to evaluate the techniques that they are used to send us those messages, the purpose and intent of those messages, to literally deconstruct and analyze those messages is really a skill that we all need because the message is sent with a purpose. And the purpose is for us to complete the message. And we all see these messages daily and complete them with our own level of competence. Well, I agree with you that to complete the message, but another area where I find this so prevalent, doing what I do, Dr. Schifrin, and this is not just for kids, but as you say, for adults as well, and I'm teaching my kids, is that everybody's got this Facebook MD or Google MD, and when you have a symptom or you have a question about some disease, now I do research, so I know what I'm looking for, but wow, in the medical community, this is another issue because there are a lot of websites that are, as you say, specifically designed to tell you that, no, that's not what you think it is. It's something else and probably much worse. Well, uh, just to speak very quickly about the medical community, all of the messages we see on television now and in cable, the direct-to-consumer messages that we see about certain drugs. Um, And most of the time, the side effects of the drugs are actually 
more than the message that you see about the drug. So there to to shall we say unwrap those messages is a very difficult feat. But when we talk about giving youngsters the ability to evaluate the uh, message, uh, spot stereotypes and develop strategies, we talk about certain things. Who created the message? Why was this message made for me? Am I part of the audience to the message? What's the business end of the message? Who's paying for the message? And how did they get, how do they use the techniques in the message to get my attention? Did they say, I'm missing something? For instance, am I depressed? Uh, do I have a certain type of cancer? If we're talking about medical messages, uh, uh, if we're talking about serial messages on television, um, who, who created that message and what techniques are they using to get me involved in buying that? And who's, who's missing and what's missing from the message? For instance, if we talk to young children about serial messages, the end of the message is um, uh, part of a complete breakfast. Well, it's a very small part. Usually the sugar part of that message is the, is the actual cereal. So the other thing that we want to tell children and adults is if you're going to analyze a message, you sometimes have to leave the message to do it, to find a source that is credible that you can check the believability of the message. And that goes for misinformation and disinformation, whether you're listening to uh, a television channel, whether you're listening to uh, a, a cable TV news channel, or whether you're reading the New York Times, the uh, Washington Post, USA Today, you sometimes have to leave that site to get to a more believable site. For instance, uh, we ask people when they look for medical messages online, um, and there's plenty of medical messages on all social media sites to find a believable source, whether it's the CDC, the FDA, some believable source, or even your own physician. Uh, how can you can deconstruct the messages that we see and what do they mean to you? Because everybody is believable online. And unfortunately, we've now seen the intersection of technology, psychology, and business. Um, they're deeply intertwined because every message sometimes has a business component to it, even political messages that we're going to see later on this year, and we're starting to see now, about donating money. Um, why would you donate money? Who is benefiting by the money? Is the money really going to the place you want it to go, or is it going into other places that you don't want your money to go into? Well, I agree with you there. And, and as you say, and we're not mentioning any, but it is certainly easy to fall into that trap and to teach our children. Now, as we're teaching our children, we want to teach them to obviously use more than one source. And that is specifically, Dr. Schifrin, really applicable to all this political climate that we're in. I personally like AP and Reuters, you know, news sources that I feel like don't have such a political leaning or bias or agenda. If I want to 
follow up on a particular news story, but that's something we have to teach our children, right? So like you say, the CDC, the FDA, NIH is another good one for medical stuff. So what else do we want to teach them about learning about the topic or comparing and contrasting that information from those multiple sources or looking beyond some of those first Google results that come up? Because those are algorithms as well. Well, you just hit upon the, the, the base of the pyramid of media literacy as the key critical thinking skills for all of our 21st century students. Uh, remembering that the, the iPhone is only, I think, about 15 years old and the, the iPad's about 11 or 12 years old. So we, we, we now have the first generation of children that are growing up digital. And we need to teach them to question the media, to ask the right questions, whether they're seeing, hearing, or reading. Um, uh, Canada's required media education in schools for many years, um, and our state of Washington is just starting to incorporate it into uh, media literacy uh, curricula for students. But parents uh, are really uh, our youngsters' first responders, and we are the... uh, shall we say, the doors that youngsters walk through entering the world. So parents have a, a great deal of responsibility to tell your children to be curious, to be a little skeptical, and to, uh, to have a focus where you can now co-view with them and ask some questions for younger children that are espousing information that you believe to be misinformation. You can very calmly tell them, well, I think, hon, this information that you're seeing is not correct for the following reasons. For teens and tweens, we would ask you to listen carefully, repeat what you've heard, and then say to the teenager or tweenager, um, tell me why you believe that message. Where did you get your information? Let's go there and re- review that because I want to know, uh, know how you came to your conclusions and convince me that your message is the correct message because I have a different view. So rather than, again, quickly correcting them or saying that's absolutely false, which really really will not shake their belief system. Ooh, what a great point you just made. And, and while there are reputable media outlets, even some of the most reputable ones, I don't know, The Guardian, The Economist, Financial Times, all these, they do have biases, but they they follow higher standards of professionalism. And on the other end of the spectrum, there's Facebook and Twitter. And I mean, I guess Twitter to me depends on who you follow as to whether or not it's somebody reliable. I, I trust Dan Rather. But, you know, when I'm teaching my kids this, Social media is a huge culprit, and maybe somebody's uncle said something, and they believe that. So when we're not looking at sources, Dr. Schifrin, but they're listening to somebody's cousin or somebody's uncle, then what do we do as a parent to say, you know what, they may believe that, but that's just not true. Well, I, I again, I think like... Anything else that we look at in media, uh, we have to have a curious skepticism. Um, We have to be cognizant. We have to be aware that most media is an economic medium. 
uh, 67% or more of teenagers are now on TikTok where there's very little oversight as to what gets published. In fact, there's a suit now uh, to segue here. There's a suit uh, for TikTok uh, reviewers because of the tremendous psychological damage that was done by trying to review TikTok videos that were put up online that they had to eliminate with uh, terrible sexuality, psychological bullying, and frank violence, um, and how it affected the TikTok reviewers. And there was no psychological support for them. But there, there's an intent by every creator online to influence our perspective. And that impacts what I call our ABCs, our attitudes, behaviors, and choices. So when we see something that is frankly misinformation, we have to inherently activate our curiosity and say to those teenagers and tweenagers, I'm curious as to why this is out there or what effect this has or why it was liked, because it seems rather in, in, in unbelievable to me that people would actually like this sort of video. Um, and, and again, parents have to be a conscious or shall we say unconscious filter for some of the things that their children are seeing. And it is interesting to ask children uh, and teenagers, uh, what kind of things are you watching on TikTok? Show me. I'm interested because I don't know anything about this and everybody's talking about it. Show me what kinds of things are on your Instagram or on your TikTok account. Um, and that's a, a good way of, shall we say, getting into that topic with your teenagers instead of automatically saying what I've heard about TikTok, it is just nonsense. Because, you know, we unfortunately are in the point of irresistible and inevitable um, screen time. And it's not really the time that we worry about. It's the content that we worry about. It's not really the time because we know that in the pandemic, teenagers are spending over eight hours on screens with school and homework and also collaborating and communicating and creating and connecting online and consuming, I might add. So there's something going on online that isn't just education. And the teenagers and teenagers are going to have to grow up online. It's a, it's a right of childhood right now that we cannot ignore. It's like sexual education and not talking about it is not going to do anybody any good going forward into adulthood. No kidding. You know, I'm one of those adults. I love TikTok, but my TikTok algorithm is recipes and people over the age of 50. And, you know, so, but my daughter and I, and she's 19, we do share TikToks. She sends me ones she's seeing. I send her ones I'm seeing. We sit next to each other and show each other funny ones. So I see what you're saying, that it can be so easy to be misinformed and to be misled because people seem pretty reliable or reputable when they're telling you stuff. And certainly our kids, Dr. Schifrin, and I've, I've felt this for a while, they're much more worldly than we were. We didn't know what was going on across the world. We And these kids know everything from what's going on in Ukraine to things in the Middle East to the weather in California, these kids see all of it, which we were blissfully ignorant, maybe, but we didn't see it all. So I'd like you to kind of 
bring all of this together for us, for parents, with your best advice. You are an expert with the American Academy of Pediatrics, and you've been in this business a very long time. You're a very smart man. So this is quality information that parents you can trust. Dr. Schifrin, give us a little wrap up. Tie it together for us. What do you want parents to do with their kids starting around age nine and working up through the teenage years when they finally start to be able to separate out what is misinformation? And this is going to apply to adults too, because we can certainly all learn it. So give us your best advice and information on how to do that. Well, this, this is a, a, a tough question to answer quickly, but I'll try my best. Uh, um, I have a unique affinity with parents after 40 plus years of pediatrics. And parents, I've always said, uh, a parent is a verb, not a noun. It's not a descriptive term, it's an active term. And parents are children's first responders. Um, they're children's champions. And as parents, we're always, myself included, looking for teachable moments where we can teach our kids about culture, education, philanthropic concerns, um, and and certainly role modeling uh, a bunch of things in terms of how to interact and communicate with people. Uh, parents have to be askable, they have to be available, they have to be credible, but above it all, they have to be believable. And I want, the, I want them to understand that when it comes to social media, when it comes to misinformation and disinformation, you don't have to know everything to do something. And that something is to focus on what your children are doing online um, and realize that they're going to be online because for adults, especially older adults, offline life and online life are probably more separate than they are for children right now. And children have merged their online and offline life. And so children are going to be online. And remember, online, there is no filter in terms of promoting media literacy. That's going to be up to parents to do. Now, there's plenty of references that I can give parents from Common Sense Media to MediaWise to Project Look Sharp, projectlooksharp.org, which has some wonderful tutorials that parents can access that can give them the kind of information they need to go forward with this because this is not a one-time learn it and then forget it. It's a constant evolution because, again, as I said, the intersection of technology, psychology, and business means that there is thousands of people out there that are waiting to dissuade us from our beliefs. And so what we need to do is understand what our values are, look for them online, and when we don't find them or when we find complications or contradictions, find an authority that can back up our beliefs. Um, and so I, I think the parents, I would, I would tell them that uh, the ability to be calm and be present, I think, is the most important thing at this point. And to also encourage balance. That's really tough. I want, I want parents to have a healthy skepticism, but I want parents to also understand that balance when it comes to screens is very important. And for those that are about to have spring break, it might be a good time to have some uh, digital free days or digital free times 
that are built into the spring breaks rather than taking children to the beach or taking children to a camp and having them constantly on their phones. Um, it's a good thing to take a break from our screens and, and really enjoy life. Oh, I agree completely, and thank you so much. As always, Dr. Schifrin, what a great guest you are. Such an educated man, and you really educate the public so beautifully. Thank you again. You're listening to Healthy Children, where all of our expert guests are provided by the American Academy of Pediatrics in conjunction with their consumer website, healthychildren.org. We love our pediatricians. They are the gold standard that are helping us to raise our kids, and in this digital age, boy, it is certainly not easy. So parents, share this show with your friends and your family on your social channels because this is information that you can trust. This is quality information from the American Academy of Pediatrics. For Healthy Children and the AAP, I'm Melanie Cole. Thank you so much for listening. Stay well.